Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. And what a morning it's already been to enjoy worship in this way, to enjoy all the fellowship we've already had, to enjoy a baptism and be encouraged by that. Uh, what a day, what a day it has been already. And now we get to turn to God's Word and see what He has in store for us there. Uh, we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start right away with our passage today and the things that God is leading us into. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be starting in verse 13, the passage on salt and light that is uh, perhaps familiar to some of us as we've heard before in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is teaching uh, his followers and the people assembled there, the crowds that were there on the, mount, on the hillside with him. And he says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our whole life is about God's glory. And if He is alive in us, everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, people should be inspired to give glory to God. God is gracious and His Spirit is at work through us. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our new series, The Red Letter Words, looking at the teachings of Jesus, the things that He told us Himself about life and about ministry, about creation and about relationship and everything He wanted us to know about what all of this was supposed to be and what we're supposed to do with it. He told us about the kingdom, about what it looked like, about his father, about what he was like, about what it meant in to, to live in connection to these things, filled with these things, and to bring the power of these things to life in the world around us, just like he was doing. He was calling us to do what He was doing. Again, this year we've been exploring this idea of the Word, the power and beauty and truth that God has given us in the pages of Scripture and the ultimate reality that the Word is more than a book, that it's a person. Jesus is the living Word born to reveal the nature of God and the kingdom to us. And to die and provide the way back to the relationship we were created for. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says, In the past, God spoke to us, through our, to our ancestors, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. And that's the coolest part of all of this. What we're exploring here in the red letter words is this 
is God being truly present with us. Jesus standing there and looking in the eyes of real people and speaking the life and the power of the kingdom of God to their hearts. God himself telling us what he's all about. It's powerful. It's profound, and it's going to be so fun to journey through over these next number of weeks leading us up to the Easter season. I've already heard from a bunch of people this week that they've taken up our challenge to try and read through the whole Gospel of Matthew in one or two sittings. Just to orient ourselves within this whole story. We're going to be walking through the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, and it can be difficult to do that because we want to dig down on individual passages. We want to stop and digest these things. But it can be really cool sometimes to just kind of skim across the surface of a whole book as we dive in just to get the whole picture of where these teachings sit within the different pieces of Scripture. So I hope you'll get a chance to take the time over the next week or two to try to sit down and read through the whole gospel in one or two sittings. But last week, We started this series with kind of the Sermon on the Mount. That's where the teachings of Jesus really begin within this Matthew chapter 5. And we saw how Matthew is is laying out his gospel. He spends the first few chapters just kind of painting the broad strokes of Jesus' journey, his birth and his baptism, his, the desert and the choosing the disciples. He does some miracles. He begins his ministry. He's getting prepared. He's getting set up. And, and then this, the Sermon on the Mount, is the first big piece that Matthew has for us. He begins his story of Jesus with Jesus laying out his, his vision of the kingdom and creation. And everything else in this book is coming out of this place. Jesus pouring out his heart, speaking this truth and framing everything else he was going to do in light of his words, his teaching here in these few chapters. And he started with the Beatitudes, revealing to us that His kingdom is backwards. It's upside down. That everything we think is important is not. And everything we think is weak and lowly is what God values most highly. The first thing that Jesus wants us to see is that we don't see anything clearly. We don't see anything the way we're supposed to, the way God does. And so the only choice is to let Him show us what's true, what's real. Let Him teach us how the world really works. And so that's where Jesus starts painting this picture of reality, this upside-down world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is what God values. This is what God calls blessed. And the very thing, next thing he looks at after that is us. Here's my kingdom. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I care about. And so you, this is what you are. 
This is what my kingdom looks like, and this is what I want you to be. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light go and be. Jesus tells us what his kingdom looks like, and then he says, so go and do it. And he follows that with more. But this is where he's starting. It's already in there. It's already in you. This passage is incredible because it doesn't say what it's supposed to. Look at what Jesus says here, because we can kind of breeze past this a little bit, because we've maybe heard it a hundred times, but we have to pay attention. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Not you will be, not I will make you. You are. But wait a minute, how can he say that? We're sinful. We're fallen. We're broken. We are the problem, not the solution. That's him. Jesus is the solution. We're selfish. What salt do we have to share? What light is... Jesus wrong here? But Jesus is calling to something. Something that he sees that we don't, something that's buried so deep, but something that is so profound and so powerful, something that we've not just forgotten, but that we hide from. Something that our sin causes us to try and bury. You are made in the image of God. Under all of our sin, under all of our fear, buried under all of our selfishness, at the very core of our being is placed the very image of God. And in this passage, God Himself, the Creator Himself, was looking in their eyes, is speaking to your heart And he says, I still see it there, right where I put it. When I created you, I placed my own image in you, and I don't make mistakes. It's not gone, it's not lost, it's just forgotten. And hidden, covered by our shame and our guilt, our insecurities and our pride, our anger and fear, our selfishness. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags because we are fallen, but it's still there. The image of God is still there. And everything that it is, is what makes anything in this world worth having. Even in our rebellion, we cannot diminish the glory of God born in us. That image of God is what makes this life, despite everything we see and everything we do to each other, 
still makes this life worth living and makes these people worth saving, worth living for. And when we embrace the forgiveness born in Jesus on the cross, we can start not just showing it by accident, but we get to bear it in relationship with Him, now filled with His Spirit. In these first two passages in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is revealing to us the very depth of our own hearts and the way we see everything. We don't see other people the way we're supposed to. We don't value things the way He does, and we don't see ourselves the way we should, the way He does. I put my image in you. Really. For real. And we think we have nothing to share. We have nothing to show. We're too bad. We're too broken. We're too sinful. We're too lost. But do we believe in the power of God? That is how powerful the image of God placed in us truly is. Do we really think that we can diminish His light, His presence in us, His nature? Can we really run from it? When everything we do, even in evil, only reveals how powerful our God truly is. And how powerful He's made us to be. That even in our darkness, when we speak in rebellion, when we cry out that God is not real, by the very breath He has given us, the mind He has created in us, it still displays the glory of God. Our power to remake the world, even in destruction, shows His ability to create born in us, even twisted in creating evil. We are made in His image, and no matter how far we run, how deep we dig, we cannot run from what He has placed in our heart. And Jesus calls past all of our sin in these verses, all of your hurt, all the things you have done, and all the things done to you, and He sees to the core of your being that image that He placed there still. He's calling us back to bring that back to the world. To let it shine. To share in life as He is life. To bring healing and relationship into the world as He is relationship. That the world may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. That's the depth of these words too, is that they cannot be understood except in relationship, in community and connection with others. That is what he's calling us into here. Because we cannot understand Jesus if we're not present in the world, in the lives of others. There is something inherent in who Jesus is, relationship, that we can't understand theoretically or philosophically or theologically. It's experiential. It's relational. He's revealing that to us here in this teaching, in these red letters, in His own words. 
with His own breath, here present with His own creation, with His people. That life is only found when we come together, when we bring His image in each of us together, sharing in the image of God, bringing Him glory as we create together and bring salt and light into creation together. I have a friend, shocking, I know. (laughs) Just one. And we are very cool. And one of the dates, the debates uh, that we've been having for a long time, because we're so cool, is the nature of life in the universe. And for a long time, I thought that the nature of the universe, the language of God, if you will, was math. And for some of us, we're like, ugh, here we go. But math is really cool because it defines everything. It can explain and describe everything from music, color, art, poetry, nature. It can all be understood and described in math. And I thought that this was kind of the fundamental way that God has spoken. My friend recently said something that's broken my brain, and we've been unpacking it together. That the nature of the universe isn't math, it's not even physical. The nature of the universe is relationship. That's really thrown me, it's taken me some time to process Again, it's not even physical, it's relationship, and everything we see and understand can be defined in math, but math isn't creating things, it's just describing things. And the reality is that everything exists in relationship. Energy and matter and atoms and molecules and planets and stars and the universe and people all exist in relationship with each other. And we're discovering through the amazing tools and instruments we're able to construct, that the deeper we go, that everything kind of breaks down at the quantum level. These things are living in crazy paradox and conflict, multiple realities existing at the same time. Math and reality break down, but not relationships. These things, as complicated and complex as they become, still exist in relationship to one another. Energy, matter, particles, forces, all existing in relationship to one another. God himself is relationship, and everything he's spoken into being is rooted in relationship too, and we see it in Jesus. Because the structure, the physicality of the universe doesn't seem to bother him too much. He wasn't really concerned with the practicalities of physical reality, the rules of how things work. As he lived in relationship with creation and with people, he shaped the world in accordance with the will of his Father as he saw fit to do. And the way he lived in relationship with all things broke the brains of the people around him. He healed sickness. Even the ear of the servant that was cut off by Peter just standing right there. Death itself was reversed. This dead person, now just a collection of atoms and molecules, he brought it back to life somehow. He withered the fig tree. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. Jesus existed in relationship with all creation in a way that we don't understand, but I think we were meant to. 
And as he walked with people in relationship in a way that brought the glory of his Father into each moment of their lives too, he's inviting us to see. He's trying to teach us what he's doing. And here in these verses, he's calling us to see it. Here's what the world looks like. It's backwards to what you think, and I don't want you to hide from it. I want you to step out into it to bring flavor and texture to it, to bring light into darkness. Don't hide. Don't cover it over. Don't let it be trampled. I'm here to show you relationship. Now bring it to others, to everyone. If we see Jesus, we have to share Jesus because if we have tasted true relationship, we have to share it because by its very nature, it needs to be shared. It was God's call to his people from the very beginning when he chose them. It wasn't for their sake to be separated, to hide them away but to bear and to bring witness to the glory of God born in us, alive in the world. His presence, His glory, His mission, His kingdom, His purpose, alive in the world. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And ultimately he was speaking of the revelation of the Messiah through Abram's line and family. But they had a job to do in the meantime as well, bringing the hope and life of God's kingdom into the world around them all the way. Isaiah 42, this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness, salt and light. Isaiah 43, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. This has been the calling of God's people from the very beginning. And now here in Jesus' life, it's how Matthew records what he understands of Jesus. That the very first thing... And the very last thing that Jesus taught us was not how to live, but where to live. Out with people. You are salt, you are light. Don't hide, go. And then at the very end, go and make disciples of all nations. First and the last things that Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew were get out there and share the kingdom. 
be with my people, my creation, and share the light I have given you. It's a profound calling, but it's what Jesus is teaching us to do here. And he teaches us what the kingdom is. He's making clear that it's not about what we know, but who we share it with. Who we share him with. We're going to look at other teachings here in the Sermon on the Mount. He starts to go into some specific things all through the Gospel of Matthew. But that is the key to all of it, to the more practical things he's going to talk about, behavior and choices. The root of all of it is who we are sharing him with, not what things we're doing and not doing. He wants us to see that everything is about relationship, sharing life together, and what we do impacts that. Murder and adultery. Divorce and oaths, revenge and fasting, all the other things he talks about here, all rest in this. I created you in my image. And how you share that image with others is how you know me. We can't separate our relationship with Jesus from other people, from other parts of our lives, because it's everything that we are. And if we're living with him for real, others will see it too. Jesus placed his image in you. And even more, he died and rose again that his spirit can be alive in us and empower us to bring that image forward in ways that we can't even begin to understand or imagine. God is working in people's lives. He's inviting us to be a part of that. Do others see Jesus when they're with you? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the truth that you have spoken. We thank you that you have placed your image in us. And God, we have failed. We have fallen. Our sin has covered that over. We are hiding from it. We run away from it. We try to hide just like Adam did right at the beginning. But God, that image is still there. Never left. It never changed. It still shines. As we embrace the forgiveness of Jesus, you reveal it more and more fully. And God, we want to share who you are and what you have done with the world around us. We want to be salt and light. We want to bring flavor. We want to bring clarity. We want to bring hope, compassion, care, love, the fruit of the Spirit into the world around us. God, as individuals here, God, as a church, empower us by your Spirit. We lay our lives at your feet and we stand in that baptistry tank with Owen today. We lay our old lives in the grave and we are raised to new life in Jesus. And we want to shine to the whole world around us the beauty and love and light that Jesus is. The hope that he is. God, we pray that you would speak and move, that you would empower us to do that, that we can see your kingdom grow. In Jesus' name, amen.